Let's, let's begin with prayer. Lord, we do praise you for paying for our debt. Lord, it's because of that that what Paul said in Romans 12 makes sense. That presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice is just a reasonable service. Amen. And we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. And good morning. Good morning. It's a beautiful day out there. Beautiful day in here too. Amen. So we're, we're studying the book of Romans. And uh, today we get into one of the most controversial texts. So this should be fun, right? And we get into one of the most controversial texts. Well, to make sure we understand in context, we're in the book of Romans. Where uh, we've begun the book of Romans by studying the doctrine of sin. And how God is just to, to forgive us of our sins. But yet he provided salvation. That we just think about salvation from our sins. Which we receive by grace through faith. Not by anything that we do. But only because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And that begins the process of sanctification. Where we become more and more like Jesus Christ. And during that time, we don't have to worry about losing our salvation. Amen. We have security. Knowing that we're his sons. And we'll never lose that relationship. Then in the, in the previous weeks, we talked through the selection. And the idea that, that God draws men to himself. But men have to respond in faith in order to accept salvation. And then that led into service. And the final section of the book of Romans. Where we really understand uh, what, what the entire salvation story is about. And uh, in this, we've learned that we present our bodies as a, as a living sacrifice to God, which is reasonable when we consider that he gave himself as a dying sacrifice for us. And, uh, and then we use our spiritual gifts. We talked about using our spiritual gifts. And then uh, last week, we talked about love, what love looks like inside the church, what love looks like outside the church. This week, we're talking about the topic of submission. Now, how many of you like to think about submitting to other people? Anyone here like authorities over themselves? Right. Hopefully by the end of the day we'll have fewer hands for that, right? Uh, because it, it is, it's an important thing. Let's read uh, in Romans chapter 13, if you have your, your Bibles with you. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7, and then we'll, uh, we'll break it apart and dissect this passage a little bit more. Verse 1 begins like this. Let, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that, that are, exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the, the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not appeared to good works, but evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you'll have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil... Be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers, attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, Customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Now, does that just give you warm fuzzies inside? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's one of those passages that sometimes, we, sometimes what, we, what we need isn't exactly what we want to hear all the time. And, and, and this is one of those passages where Paul loved us enough 
to confront us with truth. Amen? Amen. But it's exactly what we need. It is. It's exactly what we need. And, and really, you could sum up the entire, the entire message today in one simple command. You think about it, there's, there's only one command. Don't worry, it won't be a one-point message. But there's, a, there's one point command in, in, in this text. And it's quite simple. It's submit to governing authorities. Right? Now, the word govern there is the same word that's used in multiple contexts in Scripture. It really means anyone that has authority over someone, that he is ruling. In fact, it's the same uh, root word that we find in the uh, requirements for a pastor, when it says he must be able to govern his own house well. Right? So the idea is that there's a ruling authority, someone who manages uh, the affairs underneath his jurisdiction, we could say. Uh, but very clearly in the context, the main example that is given uh, is the example of our government, right? Yes, the, the, the points apply to any governing authorities. That's what the, what the, the command means. But the, uh, the main, number one application that Paul gives us is very clearly in, in here, our government. How do I know this? We don't pay taxes to our parents, right? We don't pay taxes to all of, all of our authorities, but we do pay taxes. And, and so we, we have this simple command. It should be as simple as that. We should be able to you know, walk, walk out of here today knowing exactly what we need to do, right? It can be a little bit more complicated than that sometimes, isn't it? It can be very difficult. But it's very simple. What, what about the question, uh, you might be asking yourself, but what if we have an incompetent government? Not that you've ever, anyone here has ever experienced that. Right? right? Have anyone ever felt that way before? And whatever the local government, uh, state government, uh, federal government, some level, yeah. What about, what if we have an incompetent government? And I get it. In fact, I'm a fan of a, a page that's called despair.com. They, they make demotivational tools. You know, it's, it's, I just love that type of humor. And in fact, their slogan is, is motivational tools don't work, but demotivational tools don't work even better. <laughs> and so they make posters and things, and they're, and they're right. Here's one of them, and it says, Government, if you think the problems we create are bad, just wait till you see our solutions. <laughs> right. And the reason that it's funny, the reason that we giggle, is because there's sometimes an element of truth to that. Is that fair to say? Uh, and again, I'm not saying always, and, and by no means am I... Am I Saying that, uh, that that we as a, our government is worse than, uh, than any government in the world. Well, I've been to a lot of countries, and I, and that if there's one thing I'll make you appreciate your government, it's going to in having to work with other governments sometimes, right? And uh, and so you have governments in the world that round up Christians and kill them because of their beliefs. Our government has not done that. Amen. So yeah, so the, so I understand. I get it. I've been there. I hate incompetence as much as the next one. In fact, my wife will tell you that, that one of the things that frustrates me the most, uh, and it's, it's government at a very local level, but it's just when they don't time the lights correctly. Isn't that true? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so to me, I don't, maybe my second calling would have been to be a traffic engineer, right? <laughs> but it, it, it bothers me. In fact, even on the way here, uh, there's one light that all throughout the week, it's timed really well. And if, I, if I leave my... You know, my street, I can get there just at the right time to catch the left turn arrow, you know. But on Saturdays and Sundays, they only give you the left turn arrow every other rotation. <laughs> there's probably a couple others here who come the same way as church and know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, so yeah, there's, there, I understand. I hate incompetence as much as anybody. Uh, but let's look at what the verse says again. It says, let every soul be subject 
to who? Government authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. And there's some exhaustive words in there, right? Let every soul, right? All authorities. It's, it's, this is an exhaustive thing. So the answer is actually pretty simple. After the education, it might not be. But the, the, the command is actually fairly simple. And what is it? The command is submit. Which is why I sat there this morning and waited for two rotations. <laughs> why? Because it's submitting to the authorities. Um, there's no exception clause in this verse for incompetence. Does that make sense? And if there is, I, I, I haven't found it. And I've read this verse, these verses multiple times looking for, the, looking for it. <laughs> but I don't see it there. Right? I don't see that, that, that there is a... Um, it, this is under their jurisdiction, and whether they're competent or not, the Bible's very good. Submit. It's as simple as that. And then it goes on to say, well, the authorities come from God. And Paul, what? Are you making this stuff up? No, this is what God has taught since the beginning. In fact, in the Old Testament, uh, we find in Daniel chapter 2. You don't have to turn there. This is the only verse I'll, I'll take from there for now. But Daniel chapter 2, verse 21, says, And he changes, talking about God, and he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and he raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. So, who raises up kings? God does. Who, who, who removes them from office? God does. And this is a, a simple concept that we have to make sure we understand. Now, some might be asking, wait a minute, does that mean if I voted for someone who didn't get elected that I voted wrong? I've, had, I've heard people ask that question before. No, it's okay for God to, to cause us to vote for someone who may be a better person, but that might not be what he wants for the country sometimes. Isn't that true? And so I want to make sure whenever I vote, that I can vote with a clear conscience saying I voted for who I believe God would want me to vote for. But yet when, if someone else becomes the elected person, whether it's local or federal level, uh, I submit to that. And that's what God's calling us to do, amen? And so, yeah, so we, have to, we have to submit to that. I remember, remember what, what God did very, the very first king he set up for his own people was who? Saul. Right? Why? Is it because he knew Saul would lead the people in the direction that they needed to go? No. It's because he knew the, the hearts of the people were already wayward. And they were saying, we want a king, someone, we want a king like the other nations have. We don't want a king like you who's all powerful and can do everything. Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense when you put it in words, right? But that's what they wanted. They wanted a king like everybody else with all their faults and incompetence. And so God said, okay, I will give you exactly what you're asking for because right now you deserve it. Right? So, so we have to be careful to understand. God sets up kings. God tears, uh, tears down. He, he puts people in their positions. And so whoever is in position, that's who God put there. Right. And we have to understand that God has a purpose for that at all times. Sometimes we don't get the, the purpose. That's the whole point of submission. We obey even when we don't get it. Isn't that what submission means? You obey even when you don't understand. If you obey only because you understand and you agree, that's not obedience. That's just mere compliance. And so that's what this verse is. See, there's a simple concept that we find in here. And that concept is twofold. Really, the concept is that God places very broad guidelines upon us, generally, that apply to everybody. Right? There are rules in Scripture, there are commands and statutes in Scripture that apply to every single one of us, right? 
that thou shalt not commit adultery. There's no, there are no exceptions. It's applicable for all of us. Amen? There, thou shalt not kill. Right? We don't have the right. As an individual person, we don't have the right to choose to take the life of another person. Right. Now, that, there are a few exception clauses in the, in the Scripture where if you're protecting yourself, and there are some things if you read, but, but you don't have the right to, take, to make the choice to take someone else's life. There are, there, are, there are broad guidelines. Thou shalt not bear false witness. That's for all of us. God gives these broad guidelines for us. But he also places other authorities over us to give us specific direction. God puts other authorities in our life, like our federal government, like our state and local governments, uh, like your bosses, like the, whatever authorities you may, might have in life, parents, teachers, right? God puts them over our life to limit what he wants us, to limit our, our, uh, our options, which we often think limiting our options reduces our freedom, but limiting our options when it's, when it's helping us find God's will is actually very liberating, isn't it? Uh, you don't look at guardrails when there's a cliff on the other side as a, as a, a limit. You look at that as a, a guardrail. It's helping you. It's giving you freedom to stay on the road, right? And so we, that's, how, that's the image that we get. For those, I know we have some visual learners in here, so I'll put it this way. God gives us a, a, a broad spectrum to, to live within that. And as long as we're living somewhere inside that, we're, we're living liberty within those guidelines that God's given us, right? But at the same time, God has given us other authorities, like, like governments, uh, like how about your local governments, you know, your police, we could say, uh, or, or your boss or teacher, any other divinely appointed authority. And some of those, are, their limits are going to be more restricted. Some of them would let you do things that the higher authorities wouldn't let you do. And they, they would like, but what we have to do then as Christians is find that location where we can be submissive to them all and obey. Does that make sense? It's a, it's a simple concept. Why? Because these authorities come from God. They come from God. Now imagine if, uh, if in, in our homes, if, let's say I'm making dinner, which you know this is a, a made-up illustration because Monica would be making the dinner, but let's say I make dinner, and let's say it's edible. Um, just <laughs> And, and I, said, I yell to the kids, kids, it's time to eat, right? And two of my three kids come, come downstairs, they come, and one of them must have been in one of the far reaches of the house where you couldn't hear. So I send one of my other kids to say, hey, can you go tell the other one that it's time to eat? And if they go up to that person's room, and they come down and they say, um, she said she's not coming. No. How am I going to feel about that? Right? How am I going to feel? And, and, I, and, I, and I said, well, why? Well, because she said, you're not the boss of me. I'm glad we haven't heard that in our house for a long time. Kids got it. But any parents ever hear one kid say that? It's a famous line. You're not the boss of me. All right. Tell them that I said it's time to come eat. Then imagine if they were to come back down say, they said that they're not coming down unless they hear it straight from you. How would you feel? I know that I would say, okay, they're going to hear it from me. <laughs> Why? Because I'm sending someone with a message. I'm expressing what my desire is for somebody uh, to, to do under my jurisdiction. And they then 
need, if they know what my desire is, they need to submit to that. Right? And that's the same thing that we see here with God. Is God is saying, I have something I want you to do, and I'm going to use other authorities to tell you to do it. So he puts these authorities in your life, and when we disobey them, who are we really disobeying? We're really disobeying God. Does that make sense? And, uh, and so that's the concept here, you know, that, that we find. And we find that, that there are consequences. There are consequences when we disobey. Did you catch that when we read the seven verses? There's consequences. Listen to this, Romans 13, 2. We'll read it again. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. First consequence that we find here is judgment of God. Have you ever thought about it that way? When I, when I break the laws, when I resist my government, I'm offending God. And oftentimes we might be thinking, well, as long as I don't get caught by them, I'm okay. No, no. Who sees everything even when the government doesn't? God does. Right? And so we're bringing on the judgment of God. Look at it this way, um, just to, uh, to, to see it visually. What about a man who says, well... I'm not going to obey my authorities that God's put here, but I'm still obeying the broad, I'm obeying what God says, right? Is that okay? But a common thing that a person in that position would say is, I don't answer to you, I answer to God. That's kind of like the child in the basement who says, I don't have, you're not the boss of me. I'm not going up unless I hear dad tell me to come up the stairs, right? Doesn't make sense, Right? Because what we're saying is this simple concept is you know, the judgment of God will come down. And if one of my children said that, then the, the judgment of Dave would come down. Just <laughs> saying. I only answer to God? No. If you answer to anybody that he puts in your life, anyone he sends, and says it's time for dinner, you obey. Right? Again, all this goes back to the fact that, that this is a reasonable service. We're presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice, and it's a reasonable thing to say, I will obey God. I want to obey God. And if I know what his heart is, and he says I, I need to obey someone, then I'm going to obey that person. Why? Because of my love for God. Another consequence that we find in verses 3 and 4 says, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good. And you will have praise from him. For he is God's minister to you for good. For if you do evil, be afraid. Catch what he said. By all means, be afraid if you're doing evil. For he does not bear the sword in vain. Well, that tells us a lot right there. The government has the right to the sword. They have the right to use violence if they have to. And where does that right come from? God. Uh, this is a strong, strong statement. Second consequence, fear. This is what he's saying. You don't have to be afraid, but if you don't want to be afraid, then just stop obeying them. I used to live in the Detroit area, and I went to college in, the, in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And in those days, it was about a 10-hour drive. Uh, that's a long drive. It takes a lot less time now. Um, because the speed limit, it, now I forgot if Pennsylvania put 65 or 70, but it used to be a state, when I was in college, the state speed limit was 55, right? Snail speed, right? And, and when you have a long trip like that, uh, I 
think, 10 hours. So my goal was to make it in less. Just being honest, right? My goal was to make it in less. An hour and a half less would be nice. You know, to make it about eight and a half hours. That's the way I looked at it in my mind. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, the speed limit should be at least 65, right? And they, and they want you to go 70. When, if there's a the speed limit 65, they say, do that because they think they know you'll go 5 or 7. Or less than, this is the way my mind works right, at, at that point. And so my thought was, well, i, I got to get from here to there. And so I would, I would, I would go over the speed limit. And every time I, I, I'd see a place where a police officer could be, I'm, I'm wondering, right, is there there? And I might slow down. And if, and if, I, if a place I couldn't see or coming around up here, I'd slow down. And then I'd look, oh, but he's not there. And then I'd get right back up and I'd just see as, as close to eight and a half hours as I could. I would get there. And, and I did this multiple times. And, uh, and whether it's fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know. But I didn't get caught. And, and so it was just a pattern of getting to school in about eight and a half hours. And I, and I knew enough to not call my mom until I made it there safely, and, until I had been home for about an hour and a half. <laughs> oh, yeah, about yeah, I made it safely. That was, that was the way I did it. But you know what? One of those times it hit me that when I got there and I'm trying to go to sleep, I was, I was uncomfortable. I was, un- I, 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 was, I was so stressed from eight and a half hours of constantly keeping my eyes peeled, watching out for cops and so on, that my muscles after eight and a half hours were just tight. And I couldn't even sleep well. And one day it hit me. You know what? The reason I can't sleep well it's because I just spent eight and a half hours in fear. And I've wasted more than an hour and a half trying to get sick. And, and all of a sudden, I'm thinking, you know what, God's ways made, made sense. Even before I understood them, they made sense. I just didn't know them. And so the next time, not just as an act of obedience to the government, but as an act of obedience to God, who pointed out an error in my living. Decided I'm going to go. I'm going to go in such a fashion that I don't have to worry about seeing cops. I can see a cop. And, hey, where am I going? You know that was liberating. That was freedom. And I, yeah, it took me about ten hours. For a while, eventually they they raised the speed limit, and that was. And when they raised the speed limit, I was happy. I'll be honest, right? But at the same time. It's that submission to authority, we think of it as a restricting thing, but it's a liberating thing. To say, this is an authority that God has put in my life. Why? Because one of the consequences is fear. But now, you drive, you don't have to work. There's no fear driving. I have to be careful. Sometimes, I, sometimes if I'm not, I'm not paying enough attention, I have to, I'll catch up. Ooh, I better slow that. Right? Why? Because I know that this is the right thing to do. There's another uh, consequence that we see in there in verse 4. Uh, if you look at the second half of the verse, it says, For he, talking about the government, he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. But wrath is a strong word, but it's one of the words. It's a, it's a description of one of the consequences of not submitting to the governing authorities of God's goodness. That's a pretty serious one, isn't it? Usually when you hear a wrath of God... In the Bible, that's, that's pretty strong. That's pretty strong. When you see descriptions of it, it's even worse. And one that gets me even more, we find the next verse, verse 5. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. 
to the, the last consequence is there's a corruption of conscience. We, we have to understand the value of a clear conscience. And when we're disobeying our government, it ruins that. I think a clear conscience is also a very liberating thing, isn't it? To be able to walk out of life, I can look God in the face right now and not feel like, uh-oh. Right? That's, that's, a, that's a, a clear thing. I received an email one time when I was a, a Christian, uh, Christian education pastor. I received an email from a stranger, and it said, I know what you've been looking at on your computer, and if you don't want the congregation to know, then email me back. Now, he didn't know me. He didn't know what I had been seeing on the computer. I know that because if he, if he had known what I was looking at on the computer, he wouldn't have emailed that. My guess is it was someone who was targeting pastors, knowing that some of those pastors would probably have involved in Hamas they should not be involved in. You know how liberating it was to actually be able to email him back and say, you're more than welcome to share with anybody anything you want to. Do you know how liberating that is? You know, imagine if I had been involved in spam, and also I get an email like that, uh-oh, right? Lose my job, lose this, could, could destroy, could hurt my family's feelings, could do all sorts of damage, oh man, I better... A clean conscience is a liberating thing. I actually use it as an opportunity to try and witness to him. Okay? He needs Christ too, whoever he is. Although there's a part of me thinking, I hope he catches some guys. So, yeah, I hope he can get deserve it, right? There's, there's that justice side of me, too. But I hope they get the mercy. Why? Because God, God's merciful God. And he can give us a clear conscience. When we disobey our government, it destroys that. Amen? So these, these are consequences. And so with that, then Paul kind of wraps up the, the text here with your Christian duties in. This is what you need to do. If you're going to follow Christ, then this is what you're doing. Uh, and he says in verse uh, verses 6 and 7, For because of this, you also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due. Customs to whom customs. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom, to whom honor. There's four Christian duties that he talks about in there. First one is taxes. Now, this is tax season. We just finished tax season, right? But one of the things that God calls us to do is pay our taxes. You know, if, if you're finding ways to cheat in taxes or to receive income that they don't know about because you think, oh, it's just they're, they're paying, they're, they're charging an exorbitant amount of tax or this or that, and you find ways to do that, who are you stealing from? You're stealing from God. Now, we know that when it comes to tithes and offerings. I mean, I've heard people say, that, well, if you don't, if you don't then that's you're stealing from God. <coughs> Isn't that true about taxes? Because they're God's ministers to you. And he says, pay them. Remember what Jesus said? Because this is not, this doesn't start with Paul. Jesus said the same thing. Because the, the, the apostles didn't like pay taxes. In fact, Peter came from a, a political group that was against taxes altogether, right? Do we really have to pay these taxes? I mean, you're a, you're a real boss, Jesus. What did Jesus say? Let me see a coin. Whose picture is that? Caesar. Well, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And to God the things that are God's. Pay them. Pay our taxes. Uh, talk about customs. What are customs? Hidden taxes. Right? 
That's, that's what the word actually means. It's, we, we pay a lot more taxes than we realize. We have, we have our, our federal taxes, we have our, our state taxes, and in some cases local taxes that we pay, property taxes and so on. But there are other taxes too, like when, any, anyone here ever buy gas? You're paying taxes, right? A, a big percentage of that is taxes. Uh, for those who, who, who smoke, you're paying extra taxes, right? Uh, why? Because a good chunk of, of that doesn't go to tobacco companies. A good chunk of that goes straight to your government. I don't personally like that system because that means the government doesn't want you to stop. Right? So that to me, there's a conflict. Of it's not how I would set it up. But you know what? It's still our government. We have to stand for that. Amen? So yeah, we pay those things. We pay, we pay for those things. We pay for basic services and, and, uh, and different things that we need to pay them. It says to pay them respect and fear. Fear in this sense is the fear of respect. We need to respect we need to respect our government and honor our government. Honor means to weigh them heavily. Does that mean we have to always agree with them? No. Does that mean we have to vote for for, for No. We can vote against somebody. That's not wrong. But there's a way to do it respectfully. Isn't that true? With honor. We might, some of us might have to go back and look at our last ten political posts. And see, were we respectful? You know, it, it breaks my heart. And I disagree with a lot of politicians that are in office, and, and, and I, I want to fight against a lot of things that they that they promote. Sometimes, anyone else ever feel that way? Yeah. Um, but with that being said, it breaks my heart to see see it done in disrespectful yeah. ways. A lot of the TV shows that that are that are on specifically in the in the, the evening, the late evening hours. They're just mockers. Whether they're mocking the, the political right or they're mocking the polit- political left, they're mockers. That's what they do. They, they disrespect the government that God has. We, we might not be watching that stuff and repeating that stuff. Amen? Why? This is the government that God has given to us. They're ministers to us. And this is our Christian duty. Uh, now, you might be asking, well, what if our governing authorities don't line up? Right? I mean, ideally, what? Ideally, we find that all the authorities are in sync. So you have your, your federal government and your local governments and your boss, maybe, or whoever. And, and all of them, they line up and, and so that you know and you still have your freedom within uh, the balance. And, and in that case, the answer is pretty easy. Uh, when, as long as, as they're within their jurisdiction, you know, then, uh, then one, we, we obey. Simple as that. As long as they're within their, their jurisdiction. But is it possible for an authority to go outside of their jurisdiction? Yeah. Imagine if a police officer came up to you and said, I don't like your bunker stick. Because you've got, you know, you've got a, uh, uh, a Michigan State University bunker sticker on your, on your car. Now this would never happen to any of you. I know you better than that. You would never put a Michigan State University. That's crazy. Just But you know, imagine, he said, I'm giving you 24 hours to put a U of M bumper sticker on here. Or I'm going to give you a ticket. You know, that's outside of his jurisdiction. Right? So you don't have to submit to that. You know, how many of you would go then and get a bumper sticker and put No, none of us. Right? Why? Because it's outside of his jurisdiction. And so we understand that this, this, uh, this concept. But what if, 
What if they're asking you to do something that is prohibited by a higher authority like God? Now imagine if that same cop pulled you over and asked you to convert to Hinduism. In some countries, that type of thing is happening. Right? Where, in fact, one of the skits um, that the, the teens presented in the, uh, the Engage had an example of that, where people were killed for not giving up and renouncing Jesus Christ. Right? So, so what happens then when, when one of those authorities appointed by God says you have to do something outside of what God has asked us to do? And they're asking you to, to disobey. The answer actually is kind of simple. Do we go over there and we say, okay, well, I know this is a sin on God's standards, but my government told me, or my boss told me, or what? No, what do we do? We appeal to the higher authority. That's the simple thing. When they don't line up, if, if they're outside of their God-given jurisdiction, then we adhere to the higher authority. I'm going to give uh, uh, a couple examples. Or I'll give, one, I'll give one example from Scripture. This was also presented by one of the puppet skits by... Um, by one of our teams, uh, team groups yesterday, and they, they engaged. And if we'd had more time, I would have, I would have invited them to come up and share a couple of kids as well. But it's, uh, it's a situation that we find uh, in the in the timeline of Daniel. See, God, being the highest authority, made very clear in the, great, in the Ten Commandments. He said in Exodus 20, He said, "You shall not make for yourself." Any carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is on earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. God made it very clear: don't worship idols, right? Right. So you have this high authority. And who does that apply to? Or to whom does that apply? It applies to all of us. Right. That's the broad spectrum. Now, a divinely appointed authority said, and his name is Nebuchadnezzar, said, "I want the world. I want everyone to worship me instead of worshiping God." And worship me and my guys. And so he had erected a huge statue, a huge uh, statue in the likeness of him. And he said, when they play my song, everyone has to bow down towards me. Now you've got people who are believers. You've got Daniel, as one example. He had three of his good friends as well. They made a commitment to God. They understood who God They were followers of God. And now you've got this great authority telling them, you, have, you cannot worship images. And now they've got an, a, a, an authority by God that has stepped outside of his jurisdiction and said, you have to do it. What's the right answer? Well, they stood up and they decided they would not bow down because they were following a higher authority. Does that make sense? Look at the words of what, uh, what they said in Daniel 3, 13 through 18. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you're ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you 
from my hands. See what Nebuchadnezzar was doing? He was stepping outside of the, the, the divine appointment that he had been given and saying, I'm going to put God underneath. I'm going to put myself above God. And who's the God that can do take? Now, that's a problem, isn't it? That's a problem. Shadrach, Meshach, Nabonego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Wow. Think about that. They were putting their life on the line when they said that, right? We have no need to answer you in this matter. In other words, Nebuchadnezzar, with all due respect, you are outside of your jurisdiction. That's what they're saying. But they go on to say, if that is the case, our God. See, what's he doing? He's appealing to the higher authority. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Goes on to say in verse 18, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that if we that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. We appeal to the higher authority. So, so that's what it all what it all boils down to. Uh, we have to get to the point where we understand we have to submit. Now remember, these are the same guys who said to the king, or, or to the king's servant, said, we can't eat certain meats, or we can't drink certain things that you're offering. Remember when they were first brought in, they were first carried captive? And they said it with all due respect, and they said, in every other matter, we will submit to you, but we won't submit in it. These guys did it, and they did it in a very respectful way. But they had to come to a point where they said, this is crossing the line, you're asking me to sin. I cannot be involved in sin. That would be like the child that I sent down to get my other child and tell him it's time for dinner, going down there and saying, you know what, you can finish your movie first. That way, for dinner. He has no right to do that, right? If we may use the analogy, he has no right to do that. So when, when, uh, when, when they step outside of authority, if that, if that other child knows what my wishes is, then he needs to come up for dinner. That's the way it is. we need to go to the highest authority. And you know what's interesting here is the, the government's authority, their jurisdiction is actually pretty big. When you look at it, uh, when, when you look at what the government is allowed to do, in fact, we have clues in here of what the government's job actually is supposed to be. But what is the government jurisdiction? Look at verse, uh, look at verse uh, 4 again. Um, we read, For he is God's minister to you. Look at that word minister. You know, it's the same word where we get the word deacon. So he's God's deacon. Uh, the government is, is our deacon, a servant. Uh, for he is God's minister to you for good. For if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister, same word for minister there, and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. So what's their jurisdiction? Number one, to punish those who do evil. That's what the, that the job the job of government is to punish those who do evil. When it's uh, someone from without, we call that uh, national security. When it's someone from within, we call it domestic justice uh, uh, or, or criminal justice. We oftentimes call it. So that is the government's job. Because I'm saying, verse uh, verse three: For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to, to evil. Do uh, do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and what you will receive praise from the same. So we find that it's not just to punish those who do evil, but to praise those who do good. It's good for the government to promote what is healthy and right. 
It's good for the government to do that. And then and we find in verses 6 and 7, we find another example. It says, For because of this he also paid taxes, for they are God's ministers. Right there, ministers. You know that word ministers is not the same word ministers that we find in the, in the earlier verses. Completely different word. Completely different. Talk about something completely different. The root word, the root idea there is it's a public servant. The idea is that they've been elected to service. Right? So it's, they provide the common services. So when we look at, at that, uh, they, they provide the common services. The government, they, they do that. They provide common services. The, the, the idea is that they, they create a, a level playing field, right? So that we all have access to the same rights. Governments are supposed to do that. We might not always like the way they do that. Sometimes they'll be corrupt. Sometimes they'll be incompetent. But the Bible is still very clear. We ought to submit to those authorities. That's the bottom line. You know, as soon as I told Pastor Dennis what, we were, what I was speaking on, he asked a question, and I said, you know what, it's already in the notes. But he asked a question so, uh, about that, and said, well, was the American Revolution a sin? Right? Was the American Revolution a sin? But let's look at what Daniel said. And again, the same verse. It says, and he, God, changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. So God does set up kings, doesn't he? But guess what else he does? He removes them. The very first king that he set up for Israel, Saul. Who removed Saul from office? God. And so God still does remove people. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's a time when, there's, when a government is set completely out of its jurisdiction that God raises up a, a, a revolution, right? But one of those such times was in the, in the times of Hosea. He said, Israel will cry to me, my God, we know you. Verse 3, Israel has rejected the good. Or does he say, the enemy will pursue him. They set up kings, but not by me. They made princes, but I did not acknowledge them. For their silver and gold, they made idols for themselves that they might be cut off. Yeah, God, God can be in the business of setting up, tearing down governments. Right. Who's that up to to God, right? It's up to God. But that for us, here's what it boils down to. The bottom line for us is simple. God sets up and tears down governments. And we're called to submit ourselves to those governing authorities. Amen? We need to respect them. We need to pay our taxes. When an authority steps out of line, this will help us keep a balance in this understanding. When an authority steps out of line, we appeal to the higher authority. If the government tells you to do something that is a direct command against it, outside of that, barring that, what's our call? Submit to governing authorities. Even when you don't like it, even when you don't agree with it. I'm just telling you the hard truth today, right? But I think that we have to ask ourselves a few questions to see if we are really presenting our bodies as living sacrifices to God, here's a couple questions for, for introspection. Number one, do you respect the authority of those guys placed over you? That doesn't mean you agree with them. But even when you disagree, you, do you disagree in a respectful way or a mocking way? And I think we need to think a little bit more like David. I mean, David was actually being pursued 
by Saul. Remember that? Saul was, Saul was unjustly pursuing David, trying to kill David. David gets into a circumstance where, because David, David must have been a, a great spelunker. He loved the caves. He loved, the, he loved rock climbing. He could always hide out in some of the, the most cliff, the place with all the cliffs in in fact, his psalms are even about those kinds of things. He was hiding out in a cave. Saul thought he would hide out for the night by spending the night in the cave. David had a great shot at killing Saul. Do you remember that? And he tears a piece of Saul's garment off. Just to let Saul know, I could have had you. Right? Go to 1 Samuel 24, verses 5 and 6. It says, now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do the same to my master, the Lord's anointed. Isn't that the attitude we should have? It doesn't mean you have to agree with Saul. And he went along with it when God called, him, when God called for the revolution. But as long as it was his king, he recognizes this authority comes from God. I'm called to obey. I'm called to submit to him. Wow, he recognized that. Do you respect the authority of those that God's placed over you? Whether it's the government, whether it's your boss, whether it's your parents, or your teacher. It's wow's for Are you respectful of that authority? Number two, are you obeying our laws even if you disagree with them? Or do you only obey when you agree with them? And number three, what about the other authorities that God has placed in your life? Whatever they are. So, Pastor, you're asking for huge sacrifice. This is your reasonable service to a God who sent his son back to prosper you. Amen? Amen. In just a moment, we're going to participate in the Lord's Supper. What I'd like to do as we, as we do that, what I'm going to ask us to do is Take a few moments before we, we actually participate. We'll have a few moments where we're passing out the elements, where it's going to be quiet in here. Some music in the background. Scriptures are very clear. That is a time of self-reflection. What I'm going to ask today, instead of having a time for us to go forward, I'm going to ask you to make your applications right during that time. And, and during that time, I want you to make sure that you have a clean conscience with God and, and, and evaluate, have I been submissive to the authority? Go through all the authorities that God has placed in your life during that time. Can you do that? And say, Lord, is there anything I need to repent of right here, right now, so that I can participate in the Lord's Supper with a clear conscience? Isn't that what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11? It says, therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself first, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to put it in practice. And during that time, if there's anything that the Lord's speaking in your heart, go through all the authorities that He's put in your heart. And if you need to confess that sin, confess that sin before we partake of this together. So that we as a church family can partake of this, all of us, 100% of us, with a clean conscience. Can we do that? I'm going to pray and ask the... Uh...